welcome to the and very special episode of Cup of Cubby Blue, your series-by-series check-in for Cubs news, updates, and banter. We're an official podcast of Bleed Cubby Blue, which is part of the SB Nation family of team sites. You can find us on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe for the most up-to-date content. You can also find us on BleedCubbyBlue.com and follow podcast-related content on our Twitter account at Cup of Cubby Blue. I'm Sarah Sanchez. I cover the Cubs at BleedCubbyBlue.com. I'm Andy Cruz Vanasek, and I am excited to learn about the draft. Yeah, so today we are joined by Josh Timmers, the deputy managing editor of Bleed Cubby Blue and knower of all things minor leagues and the draft for a very special Cubs draft preview podcast. Hi. Hi, how's it going, Josh? (laughs) Good, good to good to meet you, Andy and Sarah. I have talked to you many, many times, but never over your vote with your voice. I know that's true. We always do these like Slack conversations for the previews and whatnot. It's so nice to put voices to people's names. Yeah, yeah, yeah we chat over DMing on Twitter and such. One of these days, we'll really up the ante and uh, maybe like find a baseball game that we're both in the same city for. Oh, I'll have to, yeah, i have to get out there. Um, Al came out and visited me once out in California. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had a, we had a day together. Unfortunately, it was in the middle of winter, so there's no baseball. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, let's just get into it. I mean, this is a special edition of the podcast because it is draft day. And while the MLB draft doesn't get nearly the hype that the NFL or NBA draft does, it is still a critical time for all of our favorite clubs. Um, And, you know, I was thinking about this the other day. Have you all seen that MLB 10th anniversary special or whatever, where they decided they were going to cover the draft like the NFL does? And so they invited (laughs) all these players in. They're like, come sit with us. And when you get drafted, we'll celebrate you. And the only person who showed up was Mike Trout. (laughs) Well, if you're only going to have one, that's the one to get. Right? right. I was right. thinking that, yes. Well you, well, you know why that is, though. No, it's I don't. Because, Tell me. Okay, because the college players, the draft takes place at the same time as the NCAA uh, tournaments, the, the, college, the college baseball tournaments, the, the College World Series, oh. and the, the preliminary round. So all of the college players can't get off and go to go to see caucus new jersey and and speak, and sit there and get their get their little uh get their little little uh, um jerseys so you really only have high school players and unless you're a high school player in the northeast you probably don't want to fly on your own dime all the way out to new york just to get a jersey so you know trout was from new jersey so it was an easy drive for him <laughs> you know Everyone else said, no, I, you know, we'll, we'll see. I think there's going to be four there this year. There are four confirmed people. Oh, that's really that interesting. Will, I, you know, yeah. it makes sense that Secaucus, New Jersey is not really the place to be and is not a particularly easy place to get to, particularly if you're playing baseball for your college team at the same time. Right. And, and, and let's face it, you know, no, the Northeast is not a hotbed of amateur baseball talent. You know, it's Florida, Florida, Texas, California. That's where the that's where the high school players are for the most part, and that's where the that's where the college players are for the most part too. All um, right, Georgia. Well, 
Yeah. No, uh, let's let's just jump into this. I mean, we've got a few questions here. I'm going to admit off the top, I am a draft amateur. I know very little about the draft. I know that the Cubs have picks, and I know mm-hmm. that we drafted very critical players such as Kyle Schwarber and Chris Bryant and Ian Happ, who is currently working his way back, hopefully, in AAA, uh, and Albert Almora Jr., but I really, I am, I am pretty, I'm pretty light on this, this draft thing. Those are basic, that's basically just me recounting the Theo Epstein first round picks. Yeah. I'm sure that I need to know a lot more. So what, what well, pick do the Cubs have this year, Josh? Well, the Cubs, unfortunately, because they, they're so good. So that's a good news, but because they're so good, they picked 27th, which is quite a bit the ways down the list. And to be perfectly honest, there are usually not 27 quality major leaguers in each draft. Um, if you look back, um, MLB Pipeline just today or yesterday put out an article where they redrafted the 2009 draft with Mike Trout at the top and, and Nolan Arenado at number two and, and, and Paul Goldschmidt and, and Steven Strasburg. You know, so really great talent there at the top. The Cubs picked 31st that year, and they took Brett Jackson, who you may remember had a cup of coffee up in the majors. Um, if they redrafted it and picked it in the order of how quality of players they were, the Cubs would have gotten Tucker Barnhart, according to them. <laughs> so not exactly, you know, you get to the quality of the players, it's not exactly, you know, you don't exactly know. But it is, you know, a crapshoot, because... One of the players, the guy they had in the 2009 draft, they had going 14th was the Cubs' second-round pick that year, D.J. LeMayhew. So you get, you can get, you know, in a first-round draft, the first 10 picks, you know, probably about seven or eight of them are going to be major leaguers, and probably four or five of them will be really good. After that, the talent starts to drop off. I mean, you get to the 27th, you're looking to hit, you're looking for a lottery ticket. You're looking to hit the jackpot. And it looks right now, if you can stay healthy, like the Cubs did that last year with Nico Horner. Yeah, Nico Horner is – oh, no, I'm going to let you go ahead. Nico Horner has really looked great in the Cubs system so far. Am I oh, right yeah, about that? Two, yeah, oh, he's been terrific. He's been hurt a couple of times. He he missed a lot of time at the end. Uh, he missed most of last season with an elbow injury sliding. And – then he got hit with a pitch last month, and he's been out for a month now after a, a hairline flat fracture in his wrist. But when he's played, he looks like a very good player, and he was taken 24th last year. And he looks like a quality major leaguer. I know that people have been throwing around Ian Kinsler comps to him, and I think that, you know, even you get someone in quality of Ian Kinsler with a 24th pick in the draft, you're you're doing a you're doing a dance, you know. That's so you know a lot of guys, you know, a lot of the people even near the top of the draft just don't even manage to pan out. They just like you know they get injured, they get hurt, um, they fall by the wayside, and then you get some guys in the later in the first round and the second round who you know turn out to be real quality ball players. And that's what the Cubs are going to look to do this year. They're going to look to try to find some guy who's undervalued and that they can get in and will, will, you know, be a positive impact on the future. Yeah. yeah. Oh no, that's it. I mean, I would love for the Cubs to get somebody like Nico Horner in this draft. Andy, what about you? 
Well, I'm, I'm just thinking about this in terms of like fans of teams that are in the current rebuild process. So mm-hmm. like when you are, um, when you're thinking draft and say, I'm a fan of a team that is admitting to being in the rebuild process, what is something that I would look for that would make me excited about this draft? You know, the potential of a player being major league ready faster, or is it a certain position that you look to come up quicker or, you know, what's, what's some ideas that they can look for? Well, what I would want is upside. And I would want someone who could be a a superstar. I would like someone with all the tools I would also like someone who's not really risky. There are going to be some players that are going to be available for the Cubs at 27 who have the potential to be stars, but you're like, whoa, there's a lot of red flags around that guy. Uh, you know, the odds are he's going to he's going to flame out, you know. But, you know, what you want is that combination of upside and and um and, and at least some certainty. You're never going to get 100% certainty, but you, you want to get at least, yeah, I'm pretty qual- confident that even if this guy doesn't turn into a superstar, he's going to end up being a decent player. I just want to, I want to go back, you know, Sarah was mentioning this earlier about the Cubs. You know, they had five top 10 draft picks in a row in the early teens because, and we all know why, because the Cubs were bad. In that 10, they got Javier Baez, Albert Almora, Chris Bryant, Kyle Schwarber, and Ian Happ. I mean, that's a jackpot. That's that's a full house. <laughs> even if Happ, even if Happ doesn't turn out, doesn't come back and turn out to be something, that's still. That, I mean, that's still like drawn royal flush. That's I mean, you, to get five quality ball players with top ten picks. That's that's really amazing. Um, as far as the teams this year, well, the the one guy, the guy who I would want. And the guy who the Orioles, the idiots not to take, is Adley Rushman, who is a catcher from Oregon State. And he is basically, he is, the argument is, is is he better than Buster Posey or is he about as good as Buster Posey? And, That's you know, a pretty, gotta, pretty nice comp. I mean, Buster yeah. Posey is, was an outstanding catcher from the get-go and, you know, really the class of his generation. Oh, I, yeah, I, think he's a, I think he's a surefire Hall of Famer, to be perfectly honest. I mean, he has three World Series titles with the Giants, and they don't win those series without Buster Posey behind the plate. And, you know, generally the general assumption is is that Rushman is a better defensive catcher than Posey. Might not hit for quite as much as as, as Posey, but, you know, all-around game, terrific athlete. You know, he's the guy. The Orioles have the first pick. They're making some noise about picking someone else. I think that's just posturing. I think they're just trying to get Rushman's bonus demands down or or if they could get some they have a lot of other picks in the second round and you have this bonus pool where you have to get all of your bonuses underneath a certain amount of money and if you spend less on earlier picks then you have more to spend in lower picks so they're trying to get rushman's bonus demands down as low as possible so they can get some risky guys in the third and fourth round that they that might say oh i want to go to college if i don't get second round money he says well we took you in the third round but we'll give you second round money but they need rushman to sign for lower than slot to do that or if they pick someone else they could do that let me ask you a quick question 
Sorry, Josh, I don't mean to interrupt. Can I ask you a really quick question about the bonus money? Because this is something I've never really understood. Who sets that bonus? Like, who sets that signing bonus amount? Is it the player? Is it MLB? Is it the round? Is it some combination thereof? Okay, MLB through the collective bargaining agreement. So the, the Players Association had to sign off on this. MLB puts a pool amount of pool money attaches it to each pick and there's a ton of money for the first pick a lot of money for the second then the third and then it slowly goes down less and less until through the first 10 rounds and at the end of 10 rounds i believe it's like a hundred thousand dollars um <laughs> excuse me um and and what you do is you take all you take the pool money that you have for all of your picks. So the Cubs have 10 picks in the first 10 rounds. You add them all up, and that's how much money you can spend on all your draft picks um, over the first 10 rounds. Now, after the 10 rounds, I believe – oh, I, I should have checked this up. I believe there's a, there's a limit. Is it 100000 Is it – yeah, I think it's 100000 or something after that. You can sign anybody up to 100000 after the 10th after the 11th round or later, but anything above 100000 has to go against that pool money. So you can spend that pool money however you want. You can give it all to your, you know, you can give it all to your first round pick and then pick uh, in, the, in the second through ninth rounds or whatever. Or is what's, what normally happens is they try to lowball the first round pick and then get some use some money on some high school kid or something who, yeah, I really want to go to college, but if you pay me first round or second round money, you know, maybe I'll change my mind. You know, and second round money is like a million dollars. So, you know, it's a lot of money um, to skip college. And, you know, so if a guy in the taken in the fourth round wants to go to Vanderbilt, or that's a bad example, nobody doesn't go to Vanderbilt. Um, <laughs> wants to go to <laughs> Wait, you're um, saying that you're saying that's so obvious. It's, it's so Vanderbilt, like super high quality program for baseball, I assume. Yes, yes, and the academics on top of that, they're you know it, it's it's a usually if you've committed to Vanderbilt, you want to go to Vanderbilt. <laughs> Got um, it. But but say North Carolina, there's a guy that the Cubs are looking at who wants who's committed to North Carolina, and you give him a give him a million dollars, and you know you say yeah you know I'll skip I'll skip. Uh, I'll skip North Carolina. That's what happened with Dylan Maples way long time ago. Oh. Cubs paid him. I don't, I don't remember how much he was committed to North Carolina. He was going to walk on as a punter and pitch for the baseball team and the Cubs. This was still before there were draft before the draft pools. I mean, that's how long Maples has been in the system. Um, he, you know, I think I think uh, Jim Henry gave him something like four million dollars and said, "Hey, why don't you pitch for the Cubs?" And he's like, "Okay, yeah, forget that. I won't play for North Carolina." I mean, clearly Jim Hendry was as impressed with that slider as I am, because that slider is that slider is a remarkable piece of work. Andy and I have talked about it, that on this podcast before. It's it, if he could throw that for strikes when he wanted to, he would be he would be one of the best closers in the major leagues. I'm serious. It, he's just got to learn his control, but he's really good. But uh, you know, I talked about Rushman. Let me just get a couple name. Couple one guy you might the name might be familiar. The high school shortstop named Bobby Witt Jr., um, who is the son of, of the former pitcher Bobby Witt. 
And he is um, almost certain to go to the Royals at number two. The Royals are really in love with him. He's another guy. He's got a lot of upside. Um, excellent defender. Um, good Runs well. Athlete. And plus, teams like those guys who are sons of major leaguers. Because the sons of major leaguers know, hey, I know what it takes to get to the majors because I saw my dad do it. I saw the work my dad put in. Or at least, or if they're too young, I, I know my dad told me about the work that, that has to go in. So, they, you know, a guy like Bobby Witt Jr., I mean, unless the, unless the Orioles pass on Rushman is almost certain to go to the, to the Royals at number two. There's a few other guys. Um, speaking of Vanderbilt, J.J. Blede, he'll go in the first five picks. He's an outfielder. Big corner outfielder, power power bat. Andrew Vaughn won the Golden Spikes Award last year. That's the base, college baseball equivalent of the Heisman Trophy. Uh, I know that because Chris Bryant won that. That is that is one yes. of the many awards Chris Bryant has. Yes, he did. He went um, he went from Golden Spikes to Minor League Player of the Year to Rookie of the Year to MVP in consecutive seasons. Uh, but yeah, Vaughn, he's a, he's a first baseman, um, reminds me a bit of, um, kind of Paul Goldschmidt, not, maybe not as much power, but, but maybe he could develop that kind of power. So, you know, those, that's, those are the type of guys that the Orioles, the Royals, the Marlins, uh, you know, who, who else is taking in the first, in the top five, those are the type of guys, those are guys who have the, the, the white socks. Those are the guys that have the ability to be impact players. And even if they don't, they're probably going to be decent major leaguers. Um, so it's it sort of win-win. But after those first five, six, seven, eight picks, boy, the talent starts to drop off quickly. And then you're starting to, starting to say, do I, you know, a team like the Cubs has got a way, do I want to take someone who will be safe, but, you know, may not be anything more than a, you know, utility player? Or do I want to, you know, shoot for the fences, take a high school pitcher who throws 98 miles an hour, but there's a really good chance he blows his arm out and never pitches above high A, you know. So that's the type of debate that franchises like the Cubs, the Dodgers, the Braves, those teams sticking in the bottom 10 have to make. So, Josh, I have a couple questions for you, but the first one, since we're kind of on the subject, um, baseball is notorious for not being shy about drafting kids out of high school. and um, just curious how those prospects, when they're drafted, these kids that have no college experience, what are the recent years draft trends saying about how they end up doing in the minors and then go on to the majors? Are they, are they overall, have they been doing pretty well? I mean, I don't, I don't feel like we know a whole lot of players present day that went straight from high school to the majors or anything like that. So I'm just curious what that, that says recently. Well, you don't you don't see kids going from high school straight to the majors. I mean that that's that's I mean that may have happened back in the sixties and seventies, but it doesn't happen anymore. But you know, if you if you go back and read Moneyball, which is a lot of people's only impression of the MLB draft because there's a whole chapter in Moneyball. Uh, Michael Lewis puts a whole chapter on the A's draft in, in two thousand two. The, the A's were like, no, you only want to take college players. High school players have a whole they, – they're risky. They, they, they fall apart. They don't have a good ceiling. Well, 
you know, one of the guys they passed on because of that was Prince Fielder. Um, because he was a high school guy, also a bad body. I mean, I think Michael Lewis said, um, too fat even for the A's. Well, oh. you know, you know, that Prince Fielder would have been a great pick for the A's. I mean, he was gone by the time the A's picked, so they didn't really have a chance. But, um, but anyway, that thing about college that, that Michael Lewis wrote back in 2002, 2003, I don't think that's true anymore. I think right now you're pretty much equal chance of getting a good major leaguer from a college or a high school player. Generally, the high school players are the really high upside guys because they're younger and because, frankly, if they weren't a high upside guy, they would, you know, the, the, the college guys who are there are the guys who weren't high upside guys when they were in high school and so they went to college. And then they maybe became higher upside guys through through work and through working in you know their college experience. But you know you get guys like Mike Trout was a high school player. Um, I'm trying to. Is Anthony Rizzo a high school player? Am I wrong about that? Uh, no, I, I, Rizzo was in fact a high school player. Um, uh, Javier Baez was a high school player. Um, you know the Cubs now under Theo the Cubs. The, drafted very few high school players in fact the only two they've taken in the first round is Almora again they turned out to be a pretty pretty good ball player and the other one was Paul Blackburn and that was a first round supplemental so that was almost a second round pick that was a a bonus pick the Cubs got for losing a losing a free agent so I mean but both I mean Blackburn's pitched in the majors and Almora's pitched in the majors but mostly the Cubs under Theo have well, Baez was taken by Henry, but mostly the Cubs have under Theo have um, picked high, picked um, picked high school have picked college players, with only exceptions of Almora and and Blackburn in the first round. Now they take high school players later on. Uh, Dwayne Underwood, who's currently toiling for the Iowa Cubs, was a high school player. I'm trying to think of some other guys who were high school players, um, but most of the Cubs mostly feel like college players and that's just an organizational philosophy some organizations like high school kids but i don't think it really makes a big difference today i think they're pretty equal you know you might get a wider range of results with high school players but i think the median is pretty much the same so we're actually going to pause there for a quick break but when we come back i know that andy and i both have a lot more questions (laughs) about what to expect from the draft that starts later today. And we're back. Andy, what other questions do you have about the draft? Okay, so Josh, I know you and I just met, but I don't know if you know this about me or not. I live in St. Louis. So I hear, (laughs) yes, I I know. I I hesitate to admit this in many situations, but this kind of calls for it in the sense that I hear a lot um, about – Cardinals baseball in this town, obviously, um, mm-hmm. not not completely by choice, but one <laughs> one big thing that they definitely have um, prided themselves on, and something that they seem to say that nobody else does, is they grow their pitchers from the minor leagues up. So in looking at, you said like the top 10 players are probably where you're going to find the most talent and looking through that, there is only one pitcher <laughs> on the prospect list that I'm looking at. So 
I'm draft just prospects. Keep, yeah, it's crazy. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, I see. Yeah, yeah, there's only one pitcher at eight um, from TCU who's actually a college yeah. pitcher, which which is good. But I'm curious because. You know, I think it's kind of a lost art these days where clubs are, you know, drafting great pitchers and and bringing them through their own farm system and then bringing them up through the majors and having a player make it, you know, from beginning to end with the same team. I just I don't think that happens very often anymore. So what do you have to say about where the the all the pitching is right now? Because obviously it's not in the top 10 with this draft. Well, I think it's a little cyclical. Um, I think that, yeah, you're right that there, I mean, there's a lot of pitching though. If you get into the, I mean, if, if you, I'm looking at the MLB pipeline and you get into the second, second teams, you're getting like, you're getting a lot more pitchers. Um, a lot of problem is team pitchers get knocked down a bit because they're riskier. And, you know, the old saying, there's no such thing as a pitching prospect. Pitchers get Tommy John surgery. And I can think of, you know, I mean, Tyler Kolek, a few years ago, Marlins draft pick, never signed with the Marlins because they took a look at his shoulder and said, uh-uh, no. You know, but he was throwing 100 miles an hour in high school. And that was, everyone's like, this guy is a future star. They, the Marlins took one look at his, at his medicals and said, no, 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 no. Hunter Green um, was, was a pick from the Reds, uh, was it two years ago or last year? He throws 100 miles an hour, too. He's already having Tommy John surgery. Um, although his, his, he's got the advantage. He can play shortstop, too. So if his arm goes out, the, the Reds have a backup position on him. Um, but that's, so that's really the, the issue. It's also a little cyclical, too. I mean, I think that just right now, college teams and and, and – and high school teams are less reluctant to put their best, are more reluctant to put their best athletes on the mound. They'd rather have them at shortstop or, or if they're left or behind the plate, or if they're left-handed first base or center field, you know, they, they, and, you know, there's this whole sort of culture about, you know, trying to get increasing velocity, but there's, you know, there's cost to that. And I think that's why, You've seen a lot of guy, a lot of trouble developing, you know, top flight pitchers. It's just, they get hurt. Pitchers just get hurt at a far greater level than than um, than hitters do. And I mean, I'm looking at someone like uh, uh, oh, I'm trying to think of someone in the Cubs organization. The Cubs have, you know, the Cubs have got a lot of flack lately because they haven't really, they have not drafted and developed a pitcher for the major leagues under under um Theo Epstein at least any of any sort of of quality um, I, I was gonna say I was like if you're, if you're struggling for a pitcher and like that the Cubs drafted under the Epstein regime that might be difficult did did Theo draft um Alzale or is, was that someone else Alzale is actually a, he's a international signing Oh right. The draft, the, the draft only covers showing Canada, how much I know here. <laughs> the draft only covers Canada, the United States, and Puerto Rico. Anyone from Latin America, other than Puerto Rico, is signed through an international bonus system, where you just you you just a team a player agrees, usually at the age of sixteen, um, they agree to sign with a major league club, they get a bonus, and 
MLB has recently capped the amount of bonuses that that teams can give these kids because um, again, MLB wants wants to not pay money to amateur talent. This is what this all is about. It's about keeping down the bonus money and keeping more money for the teams and less to these kids. Um, Alzaway was an international signing. He you will not find a bigger Albert Alzaway fan than me. <laughs> I love the guy and. And he's he's looking good in Iowa. He he got off. He he missed the first month of the season. He had a an injury in spring training, and he worked his way back. Um, he's not going to be a star. He's not going to be a, a top of the rotation pitcher, but he could be a three four mid rotation guy. He works fast. He works smart. His stuff is it, it's solid. It's not great, but it's it's good. Um, and and just real competitor on the mound. And I, I, I love the guy, and I cannot wait to see him pitching at Wrigley. <laughs> but he is an international signing, as well as, say, some other guys like Oscar De La Cruz, uh, Jose Alberto, um, Javier Assad, some of these, any of these guys from Mexico or, or the or Dominican Republic or Venezuela. Those are all international signings. Got it. Um, okay. So we have about 10 minutes left here with Josh. What other questions do you have, Andy, about the draft? I think I'm mostly wondering, you know, are, are the Cubs going to – what type of player – you've already mentioned that the Cubs will want a high upside or a safe pick with that 27th pick. I guess I'm also wondering, are there any particular positions they'll be drafting for? Or do you really think it's all just about talent at that level? Well, it, it, it's about – let me put it, the Cubs have under Theo have generally drafted college players with strong plate discipline and strong hit hit skills. And you want to play a game on draft night. If you're watching, you're following along on the MLB network or on on um, MLB.com. You can watch it for watch it for free. The guy who I'm pretty sure the Cubs would like is a third baseman out of Tulane named Cody Hosey. Okay, he is he hit 400 for Tulane this year with 31 home runs, decent defensive third baseman, walks more than he struck out, and and on top of that, he's from Lake County, Indiana, so he's a Chicagoland kid. Um, and I and I know because I've read it on FanGraphs that Theo was seen in the audience at one of his games. So obviously the Cubs. Are, the issue is he may not make. He's probably not going to make it to the Cubs at 27. Um, he's a but he's exactly the type of guy they like. He, he checks off all the boxes. He fits in there. Um, the downside. The reason why he might make it there is that all those good things I've said about him only started this year. <laughs> Um, last year he was pretty bad. In fact, he was a draft eligible sophomore last year, and we don't need to get into that. But some usually has to be a junior to be drafted. There are some sophomores that are eligible. He was a draft eligible sophomore. The Royals took him in the 35th round. That's how highly they thought of him. Um, and they didn't make a big effort to sign him. And but he just exploded this year. And I'm sure the Cubs would like him. So if you want to watch him, see if this guy from third baseman from Tulane. Cody Hosey falls. Um, the other thing I'm hearing, there's some other college short college in, uh, players who fit that bill, not as good as Hosey. Um, there's Greg Jones, who's a shortstop out of 
UNC Wilmington, who um, is a real speed demon, good on base skills, no power, probably going to have to move to center field, but probably be pretty good center field. Um, there's a few other, I mean, there's a few other college shortstops that, you know, you like those shortstops because they can move to other positions. They can move to center field. They can move to second base. They can move to third base. If they can play center field, shortstop in college, they'll, they'll play somewhere valuable on the mound. So that's the, the other thing I've heard, and this would be very out of character for the Cubs, is I've heard them attached to some high school arms. Hmm. Um, yeah, and I think that's just a matter of that's where the talent is at 27. I don't think it would be their first choice, but you're like, well, if that's the guy who – that's the best player available – that's the, and there's three that I've heard. Um, one, one, and the one who's most likely to be on the board when the Cubs pick is a high school pitcher out of Houston named JJ Goss. Big, big six foot three guy, athletic, got a plus slider already. Throws, you know, 90, 95 in that area. It was the fastball. Um, good, uh, a change. Excuse me. A promising changeup, and so that's one guy. He'll probably be along. There's a couple other guys, um, Daniel Espino um, from Georgia, uh, Brennan Malone out of Florida. I think the Cubs have been – Kai Cubs brass have been seen at their games. Um, neither one is probably going to be around at 27, but they might. You know, everyone, every year someone falls. So that those are two guys, too. Um, Espino is especially interesting. He has got – He's he's what I call the he's what I was talking about here huge upside. I mean he throws upper nineties. Um, he's got a great change, great curve, but there's a whole bunch of red flags on. For example, he's short right-hander, and the record of short right-handers is not good. I mean we all mentioned Greg Maddox and Roy Oswald. Well, we remember them because they were so exceptional. <laughs> you know most short right-handers don't amount to much. The other thing is the record of high school pitchers who throw 99, 98 miles an hour is, is terrible. As I was mentioning earlier, they yeah. get hurt. They get Tommy, they get Tommy John surgery, but you know, he's the type of guy, you know, who could end up being a million dollar lottery ticket. You know, he's, easily could be a top of the rotation starter but again may not be around when the cubs pick someone else may decide yeah i'm going to take that ticket first so you know and then, you know there's no trading in the draft there's no moving up or down so you just got to take who's ever available at your pick you know if you like someone that you know maybe other teams think is a second early second round pick you better take him because he won't be around when you pick in the next round trading so picks would the, oh i was going to say trading picks would certainly be an interesting wrinkle like they can in other sports yeah, they've talked about that. Um, so many of the rules, uh, and this this is some draft history, so many of the rules of, of, of the draft date back to the 70s and 80s where they were really kind of draconian about keeping down salaries and keeping down bonuses. I mean, in the, up until the mid-80s, they only announced the first-round pick in the media on the day, and then all the other picks weren't announced until a week later because they wanted to keep the agents from finding the players, you know? oh, wow. <laughs> which was stupid, which was stupid because the players would just call the agents, you know, and say, you know, and that, that, so, you know, and you can't trade picks because, um, well, you could never trade picks, but you can't pick a player and then trade them because 
back in the mid-'80s, Pete Incavelia got drafted by the Expos and announced, I ain't playing for the Expos, and demanded a trade and, and sat out and eventually got traded to the Rangers. And so then MLB passed a rule saying, no, you can't trade a pick until a year after he's drafted so that team, so that players wouldn't have that leverage of, you know, trade me or trade me or I'm sitting out. I mean, now it's, you know, either you sign or you're sitting out. <laughs> oh, wow. That's, so, that's wild. Yeah. Like, I, I, I mean, it makes sense, though. So many of these rules and regulations date back to days when, player-owner uh, relations were so much different. We only have a oh, few yeah. minutes left here. Andy, do you have any other questions for Josh? And Josh, thank you so much for being here. Oh, I loved it. No problem. No, this is, I'm seriously, you've given me just enough information now to like be dangerous and do more research. Like now, <laughs> I, now I'm intrigued. Now I want to know. So no, this was perfect. I, I so appreciate you coming on and doing this with us. Yeah, this yeah. was outstanding. I imagine it's going to be helpful to a bunch of our listeners, too. Hey, Josh, are you going to be available to maybe come back and talk to us about how the Cubs did in their draft after it's over? Oh, sure, sure. Let me, let me, just, let me give you just two things. for If you're following the draft on Monday night, I'm going to give you two things to do while you're watching, to keep you occupied you're watching. One I've already mentioned, see if Cody Hosey falls to the Cubs. So you're going to keep your fingers crossed on that one. The other one is Harold Reynolds will be on the broadcast. And here's a drinking game for you. Every time, every time Harold Reynolds predicts this guy is going to be an all-star, drink. Every time Harold Reynolds <laughs> predicts this guy is going to the Hall of Fame or compares him to a Hall of Famer, shug. This is the type of content our listeners crave. I was going to say, Josh, are you paying for my Uber? <laughs> no, I'm not. But, I, I told, but you know, it, it, I, as I said, you know, maybe only half of these first-round picks become decent major leaguers, and Harold Reynolds will predict every one of them will be an all-star. That's incredible. To be fair, there's going to be there's going to be some smart people on the broadcast, like Jim Callis, and they'll they'll give you a much more realistic um, evaluation of the players. So you know, you can watch and say, okay. Laugh at Harold and then listen to the other guys. That's incredible. <laughs> All, right. All right. Well, Josh, thank you right, well, so much for joining very... us. This was incredible. Uh, oh, thank you also for the drinking game. I, <laughs> I'm i absolutely playing this drinking game on draft night. <laughs> All right. Well, good luck. <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll come back and let you know how that worked out, too, because I'm sure all of us will have some crazy stories from the Harold Reynolds may, draft night drinking game. You may have to quit after the first 10 picks. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. All right. Um, Josh, thank you again. We will talk to you again after the draft ends on Wednesday. And we'll yep. have we'll share some links so that everybody can follow along at home. As always, with any big event, you can also follow uh, the draft on bleedcubbyblue.com where we have draft day threads and you can get fan reaction there as well. We will talk to you all again on Wednesday after the draft. And have a great one. Bye.